Hello, and welcome to another episode of Outlier Academy's Playbook Series, where each week we sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive into the tactics, routines, and habits that got them to the top of their game and keep them there, all in less than 30 minutes. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I sit down with Alexandra Zetterin, founder and chief marketing officer of 8Sleep. Alexandra grew up in Tijuana, Mexico before coming to the United States and eventually founding 8Sleep with co-founders Mateo and Massimo. In this episode, we explore Alexandra's nightly sleep routine, as well as her favorite books, daily routine, superpower, and so much more. You can find the notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 91. And you can learn more about 8Sleep at 8sleep.com or by following 8Sleep on Twitter. With that, Please enjoy my conversation with Alexandra Zatarin of 8Sleep. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining me again on Outlier Academy. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So we're going to focus more in this conversation around tactics. And, you know, given that obviously you've spent a number of years building 8Sleep and that sleep is very important to you, I thought an interesting place to start would just be to ask about your sleep routine. Can you kind of talk about, you know, do you, you know, I guess some of the questions that spring to mind is like, do you use, uh, you know, blue blue light blocking glasses? What's the light like in your bedroom? Just talk a little bit about the setup in general. Yeah, I actually have my blue light blocking glasses right here in my desk drawer. So I use them usually in the in the evenings when I start you know, around 5, 6 p.m. Um, to just I feel like it definitely help my eyesight relax a little bit and feel less of a strain. But I'll describe to you, you know, if you're chatting today, it's a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. I don't even know what day of the week it is. But Friday nights, you know, I, I love Friday nights because I feel like I can disconnect a little bit better in the evenings. And so generally what it looks like is I would stop working at the computer at around maybe like 7 or 7.30-ish if it's like a normal week and we're not in some product launch mode or campaign launch or no fires. And so just making sure that even if I remain connected at my phone, that I'm not at the computer, that I get some movement if I didn't work out in the morning, like try to get a workout or go out for a walk, something like that. And so I, I really think that that's when my bedtime routine starts and like in how you unwind and disconnect from your major sources of stress. Then we do dinner and right after dinner is when I would take my sort of Friday night treat, which is my House of Wise Sleep Gummy. I talk about it a lot in, on, on my Twitter too, because it is my favorite supplement for sleep. I love to pair that with my pod. And yeah, it's just really that. We will do like a tea uh, to warm up, uh, you know, especially for women. Temperature during the different times of our cycle may change. There may be times of the month when you feel colder, you feel very hot. And so sometimes I find like taking a relaxing tea in the evening helps me warm up a little bit, which is important in order to uh, fall asleep. For me personally, I need to be a little bit warmer because I'm generally colder in my extremities. And so finding that balance took me a while. Now it has become part of my routine. By the time I go to bed, I'm pretty relaxed between my sleep gummy if I haven't fallen asleep on the couch already and my tea and my pod is waiting for me at my temperature, which is generally warm. So my pod levels on my side of the bed will start at around like a plus three, plus four. We have uh, levels based on, on, on those numbers and then it'll cool down a little bit in the middle of the night and then it'll warm up again in the morning like around 3 4 a.m i generally get pretty cold so just the fact that my pod is adjusting helps me really stay asleep and that's really it like i don't do anything else and it's mainly because i have become really rigid with my routine 
So I go to bed um, usually between like 9.30, 10 p.m. Honestly, since we moved to Miami, we go to bed a little bit later and wake up a little bit later. That's just probably the Miami life, but not too late. Like at the latest by 10.30, we'll be in bed and wake up naturally. Usually don't need an alarm because my body's just used to it. So I get to bed, I fall asleep and stay cozy all night. You probably have thought about this. Do you keep your phone next to you in bed? Do you keep it outside of the room? Any thoughts on whether your phone should be near you or not? I keep the phone on my nightstand. And 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 that's sort of part of the way I advocate for sleep and sleep habits is you can't force yourself to just completely change your lifestyle. And if it doesn't work for you, it's okay. The phone is not the enemy. It's the fact that maybe you haven't actually tried how good it feels to get a good night's sleep and get enough sleep. So if you're sort of struggling with sleep, and Mateo talks a lot about this, the first thing you should think about doing is not to change all of your habits at once, but just trying to do a sleep stretch for a period of time, meaning commit for a week or five days to get more sleep than you usually get. And this applies obviously to people who are sleep deprived, they're not sleeping enough. So if you sleep six hours, try sleeping seven and a half hours consistently for those five nights, give yourself enough time to unwind and actually reconcile your sleep. And you will feel so much better that you're, you're going to start prioritizing sleep. You're going to realize what you're missing out of. And at that point, there is no phone, there is no Netflix show, there is nothing that's going to get in the way because you understand how good you feel, how much clearer your mind is, how much healthier you are, how much more energized. And so that's, I just know how my body feels when it gets enough sleep. So I will very rarely, I think like two nights in a year that I will be like scrolling on my phone in the night, late. No, it just doesn't happen because I know how bad I'm going to feel the next day if I didn't get enough hours. Yeah. I wish that was true for everyone. It's definitely not true for me. So I think that gives me a good bar to, to strive towards as I try to improve. I want to ask a question, which was, you know, so you've been building eight sleep since 2014, which is quite a stretch It's for eight years now. What has that experience been like? And I don't know, talk about some of the hardest and some of the best moments in the over the last eight years. Uh, yeah, it feels like it has been 20, honestly, uh, just so much has happened, right? And in a good way, it's like, I think I've learned a lot. I have matured, I've grown, it has challenged me to become a different person, I hope a better person. So it's been really exciting. Obviously, the hardest moment, I think for any or most businesses that went through early 2020 was that period of time. It was very challenging. And so we we went through team cuts, we went through complete restructuring of how we run our marketing and our customer acquisition and how we think about our business and the next steps of our business. And that was very, very challenging. And, and it was a time when we were just running on fire flight and you fight for it all. And and uh, it was very emotionally draining. And, and I think that the team that went through that period with us did an amazing job at staying focused on the why we do this and our mission and yeah, I think we, we all have scars from those times, but it, it made us stronger. And definitely, I would say the highlights are every day when we wake up and there's someone talking about eat sleep and they say, well, I just had my first night or look at my score or I miss it because I'm traveling. Right? It's the fact that we get to build something people can use every day that makes our lives better. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, and this and, you know, as we talked about in the kind of deep dive interview, 
the tide has changed enormously over the last eight years where no one used to be talking about sleep. It wasn't something people were prioritizing. People wouldn't even share whether they got a good night's sleep, you know, or not. And so, yeah, a lot of the attitudes have, have changed around that, which is amazing. And now I see people talking about eat sleep all the time. So you've clearly done a good job. Now that you've had this experience of what it's like to found a company and the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, the ups and the downs, what is your counsel to people that are thinking about founding a company? You know, do you have a kind of standard, well, here's my experience or here's what I would say. Do you not offer any advice? How do you approach that? And are there any words of wisdom you share? The only thing I say is it's really hard. It's really, really, really hard. And I would deter you to do it. And if you still want to do it, then you should, because it means that you're in it for the right reasons. It's really hard. It's not the easiest way to make money. It's not the only way to make money. That's what you're after. It's not the only way to even to make an impact in the world. It's like a very specific way. It's a very specific type of business. You need to grow it fast. You need to work intensely. So it's not easy. That's what I would say. And if you're still convinced after you hear that, then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is another way of saying like, don't fall for the sexy allure of what it's like to run a startup because the correct. reality is it's nothing like that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Which, correct. Every, every founder knows. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, about you. And one of the things I want to ask is what your superpower is. So at Eight Sleep, you obviously focus on brand and marketing. I don't know. I can make some guesses of, of kind of why that is and, and why your brain's wired that way. How do you think of your superpowers and how does that show up day to day? Yeah, superpowers. I would say, and I would think from what I believe other people in my team think of me is that sort of different perspective. Like my brain is definitely more creative or in tune with the person side of a consumer trends, emotions, culture, uh, beliefs, communication, messaging. And so when I'm brought into a conversation, whether it is, um, any technology we're developing any feature we're releasing or a backlog in our operations or supply chain, and I immediately think, what is the message here? How do we communicate it? Why does this matter to our customer? And that's part of my default. And I think that's my strength and my own job, right? Because I have to do that every single day. And that's the value that as co-founders, we each have a different strengths. And so we were able to complement each other, especially in the early days when you have a small team. Yeah. Clearly, if you're dealing with uh, you know a, a tricky situation and your first thought is, what's the message and how do I share that? <laughs> you're in the right role of kind of being responsible <laughs> for brand and, brand and marketing. On, on the flip side, you know, what do you feel like you've struggled with? And that can be over the last eight years as a founder. You know, If there's things you felt like you were butting your heads up, ag- up against over time, yeah, what would you share that you've struggled with and how have you worked around that? Or just said, okay, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to find other solutions. Yeah, no, I think that there have been a lot and I have been pushed to learn about it all, a lot of areas, even in my discipline within marketing that were new to me and I uh, have had to learn them to a certain extent. And then you know, obviously you hire experts that would know more or will, will want to be more specialized in that area. And that's totally fine, but you still need to understand them. It's still your job right? <laughs> to, to be able to oversee them. I honestly would say that the hardest part of the journey as a founder is that you're constantly outside of your comfort zone because you can't be good at everything but you're going to encounter problems in a lot of areas of the business, challenges, problems, opportunities. And so you need to become good or at least have a strong opinion about it pretty quickly. You don't have years to figure it out. So you're constantly outside of your comfort zone. So the biggest challenge is probably emotionally. That is where it's it's an emotional roller coaster. A lot of founders speak to imposter syndrome. I just define it as like that feeling like you, you're outside of your comfort zone all the time. And so you just 
really sometimes don't know. And you have to be, I think, lucky enough to be surrounded by other people who can guide you. Advisors, mentors, investors, peers, because that is the way to learn the fastest. Go out to the people that have been through that problem or a similar problem. If they share their knowledge, you're able to, and you learn really fast, which I think what makes great fans to be able to learn really fast and make your own opinion out of the opinions and experiences of others and then apply it into your business. And that's how you grow quickly. But that challenge emotionally of always feeling like you're on your edge is the hardest part to, to handle. And I've certainly felt it. Yeah. And I love that note. And, um, you know, it makes me think, what is your advice or what has been your strategy for getting over that? Because, you know, I think I've had that experience as, as well. And, you know, there are different approaches. You know, part of the belief I have is that people just need to live with that discomfort and it gets more comfortable over time. Maybe you share that belief. I don't know, any advice for people feeling that or anything you did that maybe helped you work through that discomfort? Yes, I have focused in the last couple of years on just flipping the my perspective on it. And I find joy in the process. So rather than feeling like this is a burden and oh my God, I don't know how to do this. I need to go find people who do. I need to learn about it. I say, wow, what an amazing opportunity I have to learn how to tackle this challenge. And if I learn, then the next time I confronted with it, I'm going to know how to do it. But also it's going to help me figure out frameworks for similar challenges in the future. So I just see it as an opportunity. I And I certainly wasn't doing that in the earlier years. I think also when you're younger, you're more arrogant and you think you know. And so I was not really going out there and learning from others as much. It's like, I'll figure it out. I'll read a little bit. I know how to do this, right? And you're young, you have that thing that you just think you know it because like you've got a degree in school that is vaguely resembling what you're doing today. And so, yeah, it was a process to change my attitude towards it. But especially in the last few years has been a complete mindset shift and even how I think about it. And it, I turn it into a positive. I love that shift because it, I mean, one, it's a good reminder that at any point in time we can do that. We can just say, I don't need to feel this way. <laughs> let me Correct. let me put on this pair of glasses or this kind of frame. I, I love that piece of advice. On the habits and routine side, I mean, we've talked obviously about your sleep routines, but when it just comes to day-to-day things that you do that help you show up as your best self, both at work and at home, what do you do? And, you know, I think part of what I'm trying to ask there is, you know, one, if you have an elaborate routine, we could just certainly go through that. But I think it's like, what are, are, are there a handful of things you do that really move the needle? And what are those? Most important ones, sleep, not kidding. It really is the number one, uh, physical movement. Um, so I, you know, either I work out or I go for a walk, but just moving, and getting some level of sun exposure, really important for me. Uh, we moved uh, over a year ago now from New York to Miami. Miami is a blessed, sunny place. And it's made a huge difference in just my energy levels, my attitude, my positive attitude. Uh, when I'm able to get some sunlight, even if I'm working, have my windows open, seeing the sun, huge. So those are super, super key. And I would say like the fourth one is I have found that in different bursts, uh, spending time with friends and family is, is really re-energizing. I don't live close to my friends and family. I grew up in Mexico, so my friends and family are not close at all from where I live. And I'm speaking about obviously my you know, childhood friends because I have adult friendships that I've made in adulthood, but they're different, right? Like your family, when you have a good relationship with your family, they feed you emotionally in a different way. And so I have found that that's valuable to me. And whenever I can, you know, once a quarter or even sometimes some years, it's a couple times a year only that I get to go back home and spend time with them. But when I'm there, I'm very intentional about being present, spending time, absorbing that energy, because that will power me for a few months. 
Yeah, that's really well said. I want to talk a little bit about what you just brought up, which is, you know, you grew up in in Mexico. I think it was Tijuana. And obviously you're now in the United States. You're a founder. You're running an amazingly successful company. How has that, you know, kind of origin story for you shaped your experience, you know, both positively and negatively? How it shaped it. I mean, obviously it made me who I am. I grew up in Tijuana. I was there for 18 years of my life and I left for college, but it it's a very specific Place, I would say in Mexico, Tijuana has its own sort of culture, border culture. You grow up in between these two worlds. You get exposed to American culture from very early age. And so I think that I benefited a lot from that, uh, from growing up in uh, right on the border, from being able to understand these two worlds in a very deep way. Because by the time that I moved to the U.S., it wasn't this strange foreign place. I was born in San Diego too, so I'm very lucky that it was an easy process to move to the U.S. and be able to work here because I am I am a, a U.S. citizen, and so I think I benefited a ton from that. One of the other things I've identified that really shaped me of my upbringing in Tijuana is sort of that resilience when you grow up in a place that is certainly not perfect. You know, most places are not, but Mexico is a country with uh, a, a lot of things still to be solved, a lot of challenges that come with living there with starting a business with, you know, in, in all respects. And so I just grew up seeing my parents with people around me never giving up. Like you have to find a way to make things happen. There's always a way, there's always a route, there's always someone you can talk to. There's always someone also that's going to help you. So culturally people are always helping each other. And I think that that also shaped my approach to that resilience of I my default in any situation is I'm going to find a way to fix this because I know that there must be. Yeah. That's a, I mean, and that is a beautiful and amazing gift to get, (laughs) to be able to carry with you in life is just this undeniable, unstoppable, like I will figure it out, (laughs) which is very important as a founder as well, too. We talked in the, you know, deep dive interview about the importance of, I think the book was called Get to Aha, if I'm getting that right, by Andy Cunningham. Correct. Um, And we'll link to that in the show notes. Related to that, you know, a question we typically ask is if there are other books that have either, you know, had a big impact on you personally or professionally or even shaped the way that you approach your work at Eight Sleep. Are there any books that are especially resonant or that you give to new employees or you reference internally or have been profound? Yeah, I just actually gifted my entire marketing team. We did a, an offsite to kick off the year and I have it right here because I'm rereading it for like the third time. But I gifted everyone The Score Takes Care of Itself which is a really good book. And I I really think it's probably like a great management book because it's not a typical management book that has tons of great learnings. And the other book I gifted to everyone is Shoe Dog from Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, which I really, really like. Personally, a book that I read a few years ago that I really enjoyed from like an emotional perspective. And I think it made me really think about sort of life and death and the time we spend here is When Breath Becomes Air. It's a really beautiful book. It's a pretty quick read, but yeah, I just, I mean, I remember reading it on the plane and just bawling and crying at the end of it. It's just such a beautiful book. And and I think it moves something inside of you. And, and I love when you're able to connect that way with some piece of writing. Yeah. That's a book that that's a good reminder that I need to read that book because it's a book that's come up so many times and I still haven't read it. So this would be a good nudge for others. On that note, you know, one other, well, not, not really quite related, but I think one of the questions I wanted to ask was around success. And, you know, part of that is how you think about success, both in this phase of your life and in this phase of running eight sleep and, you know, 
being in your mid thirties and all of that stuff. What is your perspective on what success means now and how has that changed over time? You know, growing up in the border and watching American television growing up means because I'm also in my thirties. And so I think like most women around to this generation, I was heavily influenced by Oprah Winfrey and I loved watching her on TV and I loved seeing a black woman and, you know, I'm Mexican. So I thought, wow, like if she can do it and she can build a business, not just be on television, I can do it too. And I once heard her talk about this idea of fulfilling your, your true and your utmost potential as success. And I really empathize with that. And, and I think that that ultimately is the definition for me is this idea that you, you know, and you feel and you set for yourself a bar of what your potential is. And you will feel successful when you feel that you are utilizing your full potential and that you're utilizing it not just for yourself, but for the benefits of others too. And that's how I define it. And so to me, success is not something you're just chasing. You can really feel it every day. If you feel like you are doing what you're supposed to be doing today based on your potential today, and that you're also pursuing an expansion of that potential, right? Because success is also something you're always sort of chasing, but so is your potential always growing and changing. Yeah. I love that note. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Oprah and maybe after this, I'll send you one of the best podcast series I listened to is I think the name was Becoming Oprah, but it basically goes through in like four chapters, the genesis of her show launching and going through her career. And it's just incredible. But on that note, you know, what I also love about what you just shared is it totally reframes it from success is this extrinsic thing. I'm supposed to know I'm successful by all these things that are surround, you know, surround me to a very intrinsic thing where it's like, no, it's just about me and fulfilling my potential. And it makes it feel like you have that power and that you can do it. I think it's really beautiful. No one's, no one's framed it up that way. Okay, last question is around gratitude. What are you most grateful for in this phase of your life? Health, 100%. I think health has become the one thing I, I think is the only thing that matters. From eight years ago or so now, I don't even know how, actually it was eight years ago since we were starting a company that my father passed away. My perspective on life completely changed. You realized that the only thing that matters is health and having another day to live and to spend it doing what you like and the people you love. So I'm just grateful to have my health today. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for the time. It's been wonderful to spend a little bit of time with you. And for anyone uh, interested, I highly recommend uh, one, you can follow Alexandra on Twitter at A underscore Zatarin. And if you're interested in eight sleep, which I think everyone should be go to eightsleep.com to learn more about what you're building. Thank you so much for the time, Alexandra. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to everything we discussed as well as the notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 91. For more from Alexandra, listen to episode 88, where she joined me on our Spotlight series to go deep on category creation, including when to create a category, how to go about it, and why it's key to turning what might otherwise be seen as a commodity product into a prestige brand. In that episode, Alexandra walks us through the origin story of Eight Sleep, how renowned investor Keith Raboy told them they needed to create an entirely new category to be successful, and we learn how they did it with the help of Andy Cunningham and the book Get to Aha. You can find more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, Primal Kitchen, and so much more at outlieracademy.com. 
You can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length episodes totally for free, as well as our favorite short clips from every episode, including this one. From our entire team at Outlier Academy, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope to see you right here next week on our Playbook series.